Welcome to the Raw Conversations podcast. My name is Carrie Ann Appleton, and I'm an empowerment practitioner specializing in guiding humans to see how divine and worthy they are through eliminating all the unconscious and conscious stories that keep them playing small. I started this podcast to bring more awareness, more tools, and more insights into being in your power. I have been on the journey of personal growth and expansiveness for over 15 years now, and the reason I do this work is I believe every human deserves the opportunity to thrive in this world. If you are listening to this podcast, then I imagine you are curious to learn more, or maybe you feel stuck and don't know where to start, or maybe you have had this kind of itching feeling that there's more to your life than your current reality. Embrace the curiosity. Embrace that curiosity that is wanting to emerge here and step into expansiveness. Now in this episode, I had a conversation with Michelle Coy. Michelle is a money mindset coach who assists her clients in identifying their originating money story, which shapes their values and beliefs around their relationship with money. Michelle uses neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP for short, and a technique called timeline therapy as a resource to clear limiting beliefs and blocks that may be preventing a healthy relationship with money. And who can't use a healthy relationship with money? With more than 28 years of experience in various financial roles, Michelle has witnessed all levels of money continuum which has served as her anchor to her mission of bringing everyone to a healthier money mindset. So enjoy my conversation with Michelle. Yay, I'm here with Michelle today and I'm so excited about having this conversation with you, Michelle, and just sharing with the audience about your story and your transformation because I've witnessed so much of it, which has been awesome to see. But I want to, I want people to see what I've witness, right? I want them to see it and hear your story because I know you are super relatable and you will go on to help thousands of people, if not millions. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. I look forward to telling my story. Yeah. Let's start with, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and maybe even a little bit of your upbringing so people can, you know, kind of relate to that. So I am Michelle Coy. And I was brought up in a household like any normal middle-class family. I grew up with two entrepreneurs. My dad ran a business and my mom worked in it. And I believed everything that I went through was meant for me. Um, As a child, I dreamed of being a beautiful math teacher. However, that transformed differently. As I was going through life, as I entered high school, I was given the typical assessment test that what you'd be good at based on your personality, your skills. And I was actually deemed to be good at accounting. However, I didn't even know what accounting was. However, due to what my parents have gone through, 
as entrepreneurs, they had an accountant that happened to be looking for somebody to do data entry. So my journey into the business and finance field began at the age of 16. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I stuck to it and I had at that time, I was actually working at McDonald's, you know, my first job at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And I was working also at the accounting firm that summer. And that was the first big choice I ever had to make. I had to choose which direction I wanted to take. Did I want to continue um, working at an accounting firm where I knew I'd only get a couple hours every day after school? Or was I going to choose the route of working at McDonald's, which would have taken away my weekends? So I chose to go the route of accounting. And that route landed me working there for 18 years. However, this was a valuable 18 years because I've learned a lot of lessons during that time. I learned I loved working with people. I love working with numbers. And I was good at both of them. However, one of the biggest lessons that I learned, although I didn't learn it right away, was I was not valued. And that played a tremendous impact on so much of my life until I was in my early 40s and began to realize that I had held that belief that I wasn't valuable. And it began, well, I thought it began right at that moment. It actually began so much earlier in life. Because as a child, I played sports. I was in the band, which started early in the sixth grade. However, my parents, I would say, never attended any of those school events. It was always the one that had to get off the bus and call my parents and, and say, hey, mom, I'm done. Um, can you come pick me up? And, you know, the basketball coach or the band instructor was always there with me waiting for my parents to pick me up. So learning my true value has been quite the journey from a young child until I was, until you and I started working together when I was probably around 42. So it has been quite the journey. Wow. There are a lot of things in there. I didn't even know. Like, for example, that you wanted to be a math teacher. Because I remember when we started working together, one of the things you were thinking about doing when, as you were thinking about leaving your job was going on to support, especially like young teens and or teenagers and young adults around how to, um, how to do a budget, how to manage their money. Like you, you're, and that to me was like, you're being a teacher, I'm really a teacher of math because it is numbers, right? You are so passionate about it. And now I get why, because as a young child, let's talk about that before we get into the value piece. Um, Why for you as a young child, were you passionate about being a math teacher? That I never knew. However, as I was going through school, I always excelled in math. Mm -hmm. 
I remember my eighth grade math teacher would always give you give the student that got the perfect grade um, a pencil. It was called a GAW award. And I don't even remember what GAW meant, but I remember finding. And then recently, now that I'm 45, I found one of those pencils when I was going wow. through some, some old stuff. Yeah. However, that just really impacted me. And he made math fun. But I don't remember as a second grader why I loved wanted to be a math teacher. Do you think this could be connected to wanting to be valued and you were valued? It could be. Another reason is I think there's a genealogical aspect to that as well. Later in life, um, my grandmother passed away probably three years ago. And as I was helping my mother go through her stuff, I realized that my great-great-grandfather who came over from Ireland was a bookkeeper as well. And I wondered if that tied into why I wanted to be a bookkeeper and knew that I wanted to work with math and teaching at such a young age. Mm, Yeah, I mean, definitely. We're impacted by our family. You know, we model so many things, as you know, from the work you do now as a coach. Um, we model so many things from our family. So, for example, my grandmother was an entrepreneur. My mother's an entrepreneur. My sister used to be an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. All the females in the yes. family. So, of course, and I don't know as I don't know past that, but obviously, this is what was modeled to me. Mm-hmm. So, for you as well, there could be definitely some modeling. And you just take it on. And so often we see people go into the family business and whether that's like they become a lawyer too, they become a doctor too, they run the store, they become a mechanic, whatever it is. Um, It's because it's what's familiar. Yes. And I model over my dad's side of the family. My grandfather was a plumber. My dad um, worked in the body shop industry. However, his five other brothers were in the service-based industry, whether it was a plumber or one owned a uh, record store, and then my dad. So I had all these people modeling, and I saw that freedom and what it meant for them and understood this is what they wanted to help their family Mm -hmm. and bring other, my, my cousins actually followed, a lot of them followed in their, their father's footsteps, either taking over the plumbing business or working in the plumbing industry. Yep. Yep. It's interesting because when you talked about your family being entrepreneurs, I thought, yeah, that's got to be a big reason why, just like with mine. It's interesting because I don't know if you felt this way, but I sometimes feel like a rebel to like the mainstream model of how you go to school, you get a job in corporate America, you get the you marry, you have children, you have the white picket fence. And I was like, uh, no, I'm going to have a business. And people thought I was crazy. That's oh, hard definitely. being an entrepreneur. Actually, it's a lot easier being an entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> working for someone, especially when you have had, you've been conditioned and programmed. The, the model that you saw was that entrepreneurship. So to you, it looked easier. It makes yes. total sense. Yes. However, I, I did do the route that 
everybody else didn't do. I was the first daughter, granddaughter on my dad's side. Um, I was the first one to actually go to college, Mm. get a degree. Same here. So, you know, and then I went into the corporate world because that was what I was programmed to do. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that generation, our generation, that's what you do. And I just felt completely unfulfilled in that corporate role. And there, I knew there was something else out there for me. Mm-hmm. However, I was lost to what that was. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive in more into that. So tell us more about, you know, you went into accounting, you went in and worked for, in essence, corporate America, maybe not a big corporate company. I don't know if you ever worked for a big accounting firm, but no. in essence, that structure of corporate America working for the man um, and not feeling fulfilled because I think a lot of people, myself included, I, I did a little bit different is that I didn't want to work for corporate America. So I dived into nonprofits, mm-hmm. but in essence, it's the same system, right? It's working for someone else, though, though I loved it a lot, actually. I loved doing the work. I also realized it wasn't meant for me. It's always been meant for me to, um, to be an entrepreneur, even though it's got its challenges, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You feel a lot um, alone sometimes. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Um, so for me... I loved working in accounting because I love serving others and helping others. And when I took that leap from working in the accounting firm, I started working with small businesses. And I got a lot of joy and fulfillment from that. However, I, I realized people weren't valuing, for, valuing me for the information that I could provide to them. Um, I just remember one job where nine to five was not enough for them. If I wasn't answering my emails, I was getting penalized for it. Mm. And coming into a rough environment the next morning. And I realized right there again, setting boundaries and realizing I wasn't valued. And then I went to work for another small business. I didn't ask the right questions. And I ended up helping the bank close the business down because they went bankrupt within a year. However, it was life changing for me. My next position was I went and did the temporary job. And I was a little nervous about going into temp work. And it ended up being the most valuable experience I've ever had. Because one, I took a job lower than my pay range and everybody questioned me for it. And two, I found spirituality and the love of nature, and the love of Mother Earth and community. And that was the job that I actually realized that I was meant to be more of a money mindset coach or a coach in some way. And that's where our journey together started was you helped me realize and gain clarity that I needed to go into the coaching field and you were helping guide me into that direction. And then even after I took that scary, faithful leap to become an entrepreneur, 
during my long process of not doing anything, you helped me gain clarity on where I needed to go. And on top of that, you believed in me. And we started that little venture of the little book club that we started. And you gave me so much confidence to believe in myself. And that was the start of my true journey as an entrepreneur. So I want to thank you for that because, you know, you gave me a chance when I wasn't giving myself a chance. So, and that was so incredible for to have you as my guide as I took that leap of faith and realized my own value. Well, first of all, I appreciate that. And it was my pleasure to support you in that way. And I want to say that you really did the work. I think part of it is you wanted to feel confident. You wanted to step into this new world. You didn't want to be scared and hold yourself back mm-hmm. anymore. Um, and you you did it. You stepped in. I just helped mirror it for you, what it could look yeah. like, right? And then you stepped exactly. in. Exactly. Yep. Which is great because it helps create a new program for yourself, a new belief system, a new way of being in the world. Exactly. It helped me step into that person that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And it didn't necessarily look how like I thought it was going to be. And that's part of what I've had to learn to let go and surrender because our path is never exactly as we anticipated that it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And no two paths are the same. Like my path and your path have been different, though we're both on the journey. Yes. And part of that is each of us have to work through our, our own conditioning. I, I call it our beliefs or programs from our, especially from our childhood, our family dynamics, what society um, and culture have, um, what our culture has thrown upon us that we've accepted unwill- unconsciously, not unwillingly. We willingly accepted it. Yeah. We just didn't know not to accept it. <laughs> yes. So um, I want to address this this part of the not valuing yourself and talk about how you worked through that. So as I was, as I was beginning to start my business, I started as doing bookkeeping and I looked at myself and I was charging $30 an hour, which is what I was getting paid as corporate. And I had to really step into and look at what I was bringing to the table. All that knowledge, all that experience was worth a lot more than what I thought I was valued at. And so I had to get comfortable saying a new number. And then as I started working with my coach in February of 2020, she really helped me to realize my true value, that the number I thought I was, I was so much more valuable. I had 30 years experience in business. I had grown really strong relationships with some mentoring programs that I could offer my clients. I had knowledge that I had gained throughout the years that had value to it. And my experiences had value. 
And I could bring all that knowledge and experience to my clients to help them move quicker through the process. As you brought me, as you did, when our journey was, you had started to show me my true value. I still had to get confident with stepping into my true value. And I finally truly stepped into my true value in November of 2020 when I took an NLP course. And something changed within me in my both of my businesses, both my money mindset business and my bookkeeping business took off because I saw my true value, which opened up the possibilities for me. And it was March, March 31st, I had to let go of some of my responsibilities because I started to realize I was more passionate and could bring more value to others if I stepped into more of the coaching and offering my knowledge to employees of businesses. So I have let go of my bookkeeping business, my safety zone Mm -hmm. that I have always relied upon since I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Letting go of that safety net is scary. Yes. That's also super empowering. It was super empowering. And within a week of recognizing that, I created a very powerful partnership with a gentleman that created a um, an app for health and wellness, holistic health and wellness. And so now I am a financial wellness coach for a powerful app that's going to be amazing. That's amazing. Yep. Oftentimes when we finally let go of that and what I call the anger, the thing we're holding on yes. to that's like our safety, it's like we have the freedom for things to show up. Exactly. Because every time I let go, Mm -hmm. yes, every time I let go of something, something better, more positive replaced what I had to let go of. Yep, yep. Especially when we have faith that it will happen. Because again, our thoughts, when really our beliefs is what's powerful. It's not just our thoughts and feelings. Because we have anywhere from 65 to 90,000 thoughts in a day. And there are things like I could, I could. Um, have a thought that a million dollars is going to land on my front door, but yet that doesn't happen. (laughs) No, no. But when I believe in the possibility of something and it it has to do it in like progressive steps. So I can say I could believe a million dollars is going to land on my door, but not $1 has actually ever been in front of that front door. Like I've never seen a dollar bill. Well, I wouldn't see a dollar bill here in Brazil. Let's say one. Hey, I, So I have to first start with that. Like, can it, can it be possible that someone just like walk by and drop a hay eye (laughs) and it's at my front door? Does that make sense? And then get to, I know know this is like maybe too much for the listener to understand, but the thing is that if you got to take those baby steps, it's like, you don't come out of the womb walking. No. Learn to like move your arms and legs, roll your head, turn, roll over, crawl, you know, Get yourself up, start to walk, and then you run. And it's a, it's a progression. It is, definitely. I definitely saw all those little baby steps from April 13th, 2018 until today. You know, they were small steps. Yep. 
Yep, same here, same here. Now I want to go back because I think it's important that we often hear about like, oh, I, you know, like for example, using your story or this one, one aspect. I know there's probably many aspects of yourself that you've had to up level or or let go of. So not valuing yourself and and stepping into valuing yourself. We often hear of like, I just had to step in and own my worth. But there, there's a point, and I don't know if you did this in your process. And I imagine that you did, just knowing you. There was a point probably in your childhood where you learned not to value yourself or you created that belief or a situation happened or you witnessed something happen. You're like, oh, I don't value myself. So I don't know if you can tell us a little bit more about that and how you shifted that belief. I think one of the biggest, it wasn't, it wasn't in my childhood I that I can really pinpoint something. I can pinpoint something in my 20s. And my dad had given me the responsibility to help him with his bookkeeping. He hadn't done his bookkeeping in seven years. And I worked with him 60 hours after I got done working my regular job. So I was giving up time with my husband. I was giving up my freedom, my free time to do stuff with other people. And I remember sending him a bill. And what he told me has impacted me for a lot of my life. And it was, I shouldn't pay you for anything. Mm. I paid for your, your education. And that's all I should have to pay. And I was like, I was devastated. It was like, I, this is what I went to school for. I have all this knowledge. And you have, you were working with the accounting firm I was working with. I should have just told you go through the accounting firm and I, you would have had to pay $100 an hour for me to do this. And I was charging you 30 And one, I had already undervalued myself. And two, he was just showing me he didn't value me for the person that I was. He valued what I could do for him and didn't want to have to pay for it. Hmm. And so I took that as an opportunity to look at it as he didn't know any better. He just, as he did with family, and he's always told me never work for family. And he just expected that I would do it for nothing because I was his daughter. He didn't see me other than the daughter that had the skills that he needed. And I forgave him for that. However, I also distanced myself from him in the aspect that I didn't want to just be seen as the daughter. I wanted to be seen for who I was at a deeper level. That I had knowledge. And I was a strong woman. And I was an entrepreneur. I was not just the daughter. Do you, 
Well, first of all, thank you for hearing that. I think that's super yeah. relatable because I know people have, myself included, have heard comments like that, especially mm-hmm. from our parents. Um, it's like, we don't deserve to be valued. We should be giving these things to them because, again, they raised us, they paid for this, they wiped our bums. I think I heard that once. I used to wipe your bum. You should do this for me. Um, and so, yeah, where we, we, don't, we feel used mm-hmm. by those that we love the most. And that's, exactly. oh, it feels like such a betrayal. Yes. Yep. Um, were there other areas, especially in your childhood, that, where you didn't feel seen or accepted for who you were? Um, I believe when I was playing basketball, it was a sport nobody knew of. And so they never saw me for who I was. And I always felt like I was looking for community, looking for love, looking for some place to be seen. And that's where I felt like I had to hide from the world. Mm-hmm. And I played those sports from sixth grade until 10th grade when I got a job. And I went from burying myself in sports activities to burying myself in work. And it was then that I realized me burying myself as a workaholic because I continued that until I became an entrepreneur. I didn't know anything different than working 60 to 80 hours a week. And I had been doing that since since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I think that was one of the turning points that as I look back on, I was not seen. Mm-hmm. One, I was playing a sport nobody knew of. And two, it just wasn't convenient for them mm-hmm. to yeah. allow me to be a part, you know, to be seen that way. Yeah. I think all of us children want to be seen, want to be heard and accepted for exactly who we are. We want to be valued. With whatever gifts that we have, you know. And again, I don't think it's our parents. I don't blame my parents. There was a point where I did as I was discovering all this because I didn't have the tools. And once I had the tools and understanding that our parents were doing the best they could with the operating model that they also picked up in their own childhood, their upbringing. Um, And so they were just living off of their programs, their conditioning, Mm -hmm. you know. So it wasn't necessarily about me. And they were doing the same thing that we often learn to do is we learn to to either distract or numb. So, for example, I can relate to being a workaholic. In my first business, um, I was a fundraising consultant. And I worked, you know, 60, 80, sometimes 100 hours a week. And it's interesting. That was what it was modeled as well. My grandmother was the same way. My mother is still the same way, maybe not quite 60, maybe not 80 hours, but she works a lot. Um, and it's just, I see it in my family, you know, and I had to look at myself as, you know, why do I have this addiction? It's an addiction, as Gabriel Masi would say, like we all have an addiction and it's usually an, 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 a need that wasn't met. And same thing, I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be heard. And I also recognize with my, with the, my workaholic habits was about if I if I take a moment and breathe then it means I have to look at myself and I might not like what I see does that make sense 
it so if makes I keep total working, sense. If I keep working, then yeah, and I keep keep producing, and I keep getting awarded and recognized. Yeah, but then I have to do more and more and more and more. And again, going back to what we were talking about with you being bad, the same thing, wanting to be valued. Exactly, and that explains probably where I got stuck when I took that leap of corporate because I did spend four good four to six months just doing self-development and actually seeing who I was Mm -hmm. and learning about me Mm -hmm. and it was really transformational yep would you say when you first started doing that personal development work and working at yourself that you felt scared to look at yourself in that way and what you would find Oh, definitely. Yep. And now would you say, now that you've done that and gone through so much of that, now would you say the same thing? Like, would you now say, yeah, I feel like I'm still scared to look at myself? I'm no longer scared to look at myself. I'm curious to see what I'm going to find. It's that curiosity rather than looking at it as a scared feeling. Yeah. It's looking at it as, in curiosity, saying, what am I going to find? How is this going to explain why I act this way or why I feel, or, you know, what is causing me to feel this way? Yep, exactly. I'm always saying, like, come at this from a place of curiosity instead of judging yourself. Exactly. Because nothing will change if you don't look at it. And it's a lot easier to look at it when you start letting go of judgment. Of course, you're going to have feelings like, oh, I did that. Oh, I have some shame around that. But that's a roadmap right there to healing. It's a huge roadmap to healing. Mm -hmm. And I continue to heal today. And I know I'm going to continue to heal into the future. Mm -hmm. Because each day is a new curiosity level and a new peeling of the levels of healing that we have to do. Yep. No, for sure. For sure. I actually love it. Like I do too. It's almost an addiction. It's I was a new just addiction. Say that. I was just gonna say it's kind of my new addiction. It's like I love doing the work. Now, at first, I did not like it, and it's still challenging, especially when I get into shadow work. It gets so challenging because those are the aspects of myself I feel so much shame around. But the more that I do it, oh, and the more that I move through whatever emotion comes up around it, it's like it doesn't own me anymore. Exactly. And I'm free to be myself. Exactly. And as my um, NLP uh, instructor says, is whatever you own, no one can ever judge you for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. So I imagine now, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I imagine now you're seeing and accepting yourself more. I am. Yeah. Is there anything special that you do that would be helpful for others in terms of seeing and accepting yourself more? I was given this powerful exercise in which I was asked to look at myself materialistically even and how I see myself in the next 12 months. And then taking a step back and then really defining my feelings And what I truly saw, not only in me, but the surroundings, in those as a successful businesswoman. And then to take it one step further and to see me 
for who I am and to write 10 I am statements that define who I truly am. And then we were asked to anchor that to the greatest showman, who I am, Mm. that song. And that was such a powerful exercise. And it allowed me to see myself as a strong, that I'm strong, I'm confident, I've been courageous, I'm brave. You know, I channel messages that are powerful for others to hear. I'm an inspiration. I'm a motivator. So to be able to see myself for those things other than my roles was very powerful for me. Yeah, I love it. I love that you use The Greatest Showman. There's just so many powerful songs in that musical. Yes. I wasn't crazy about the whole actual story. Not the story, but um, I'm trying to remember the guy. the, The 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 guy it's made around. I don't remember. Anyways, either. his actual story. I mean, the the cruelty he did to animals. Um, mm-hmm. But the musical itself in that movie and film is like extraordinary and very uplifting. Mm-hmm. Yes, very. And then when you actually listen to those words, yep. to that song, it's like wow. Mm-hmm. I love using like powerful songs. Because there's something, not just the words, like I love affirmations, as you know, and especially ones that I can feel are true, you know, I really love because I'm really stepping, if my mind doesn't feel them true, then I have to go back one step or two steps. So maybe it's like, like, for example, if I said, I love you, Carrie, I'm like, oh, I don't believe that. And I had to step back to, I like you, or I want to like you, or I want to love you and see which one is more believable and then start there. Um, so, but the thing about music is there's this whole, the music and the instruments add a whole nother energetic level to it to really like boost your, your, you know, even your, your physical being, which helps you to start to shift into that. Exactly. Because I remember as she played that song for us tears just started rolling out of my eyes uncontrollably and to feel that power and to feel that that's who I was was so powerful and just the way my body reacted to listening to that song and believing everything I just had stated that I was Mm -hmm. yep yep it's powerful it's powerful so what's the most, um, or what's your biggest source of motivation to continue growing and expanding? My biggest motivation is curiosity. You know, what else can I learn about me? And what tools can I bring that not only help me, but help those that I'm helping? Because I believe those tools are what help us heal. And if I'm learning them, I can share it with others and introduce other people to just that knowledge or that tool. And they can let the ripples begin. Mm -hmm. You know, they can introduce it to other people. And so just curious and wanting to step into the most truest and authentic me that is out there. And until I discover who that is, 
I will continue to be on this healing journey mm-hmm. and this curiosity journey. Beautiful. I, I think I, I once heard, I can't remember who said it, but something around if you're in a state of curiosity, you can't judge. Yes. Because you're just true. curious. There's no judgment around it. And so this is why I love, I'm also a believer of like, oh my God, I love being curious about something. Yes. And the minute I'm judging something, I'm like, mm, what within me, what within me am I judging? Or I'm not willing to see, or I'm, and that's in my shadow. But when, and then I get curious about that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to um, I want to kind of transition into what you're doing now, so the audience can really hear around the work that you're doing now, because they I imagine many of them will be very interested and potentially want to connect with you. So thanks, Carrie. I am now a money mindset coach, and people are curious. Oh, I know numbers. I don't go into the numbers. Because I truly believe you need to know the story Mm -hmm. and the reason behind how you feel about numbers. And so what I do is take people on a journey to become healthy, have a healthier relationship with money by exploring and discovering their original money story. Because as we've discussed, we often model after those that we've seen. However, what we're modeling may not be what we want to bring forth and that doesn't resonate with our true self. And so I take them on that journey. And through that journey, they begin to value self and love self. And when you can love yourself, anything is possible. And you receive that freedom. To be who you are, which will lead to financial freedom in the long run. Mm, yeah, beautiful. I love that you said you don't get into the numbers. I can't. I, I can, but I don't want to actually. Yeah. <laughs> I can say I can't recall the number of times I've met with like a financial advisor um, over the years, and it's like I'll be at a networking event especially my first business. And I'm like, okay, I'll meet with you. The polite thing to do. And then like, they want you to pull out all your numbers. And I just feel this. I used to feel so much anxiety, like, and if I didn't address that anxiety, which at the beginning I did not, and then no one was there Mm -hmm. to support me to address it. Then I was just going to create the same issues over and over again, no matter how many financial advisors I went to know how many, how many spreadsheets, how many budgets I put together. Um, and looking at, as you said, the story mm-hmm. underneath it, the story that's underneath it. And I think so many people don't realize that because again, we've been conditioned to like put it in a spreadsheet, stick to a budget, but it's the emotional mental piece that needs to be addressed. Understanding what is causing you to do that spending. Mm-hmm. And really getting into the emotions. And I remember networking with somebody and just having one of those coffee breaks and talking. And she said, I really need this new bed. But my goal is to have $10,000 in my savings. She goes, I'm halfway there. And I asked her, I said, what is it costing you to have that money in the bank? If your bed 
is not making you get a restful night's sleep. It's causing you to not be focused and have a fuzzy mind. And so what is it costing you as a mortgage lender, as a mother? So there's times when you have to disperse and release that energy. Because money is just energy. To release that energy so that you receive the benefits of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so many people don't don't realize that, again, money is just energy. And that mm-hmm. we have a relationship with money. And if we want to, say, have a healthy, loving relationship with our children, with our family, our friends, or with our partner, we're going to treat them a certain way. But, yeah, we don't do that with money. Exactly. So looking at our relationship, yep, with money. Yeah, yeah, because money's, you know, we've been programmed that money's dirty. Mm -hmm. Money doesn't bring happiness. It doesn't grow on trees. It's the root of all evil. Evil. Do I hear that? Yes. People are greedy. When they have money, they're greedy. They're only out for themselves. Some heavy things. But then, wait a minute. Money never loses its value in terms of... If I give you a dollar, it's still one dollar. If you give it to the next person, it's still one dollar. But if I gave you a car and you used it and then gave it to someone else, it's the value went down because of it's aged, right? But the dollar stays the dollar. It just keeps flowing. It still exists. Exactly. It might not be in your pocket. Exactly. (laughs) It it can come back to your pocket. It can. It can land on your doorstep. Exactly. <laughs> and maybe then one day a million will land on the doorstep. Exactly. Anything is possible. So exactly. what two, um, either two tips or two steps or two pieces of advice that you could share that would help people like start to step into their or look at their money mindset, start to improve yes. their with money. My first tip is when you're in a conversation with someone and they give you a compliment, how do you receive that compliment? As you look at that, if you're not able to receive a compliment, are you allowing money to come into your life? Are you trying to push it away? Just like you push away that compliment. Mm-hmm. That goes so back to value. It goes back to exactly. value, valuing yourself and allowing others to value you and see you and accept you. Yep. And then the second tip is when money lands in your bank, what are your reactions to that money? Do you want to go out and spend it immediately? Again, this goes back to value. Because if you are forcing your money out of your bank account immediately, you're not fine. You feel that you are not valuable enough to have money sitting there. And that will start to help you understand the reasons behind wanting to get rid of that money so quickly. That's a great one. I never thought of that one. I was just thinking, like, sometimes I go out and I go like, oh, I have money to do this or I'm saving for something. Like right now, like I want, I want a really nice desk chair and it's going to cost me a little bit more because in Brazil, the import tax, but I'm really excited about it because it's going to help me. Right. 
yes. my body and whatnot. Um, so I'm like saving money and it's kind of fun. Yes. <laughs> and it's like getting closer to the goal of like, oh, I'm going to get that chair. And maybe that chair will come in another way. I might not have to use money. Maybe someone like exactly. on my birthday, a friend gifted me hiking shoes, like out of the blue, for example. And it was on my list. I'm like, oh, I need to buy new hiking shoes. And I had the money. But they just gifted it to me because they knew I needed exactly. it. Like it can come like that, which is amazing. Exactly. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that's a good question. I never thought of it. I'll have to reflect on that one myself. Yeah, because there's so many people out there. Like you said, you were saving for something. Yep. However, if you're not valuing yourself, you'll never get to that goal. Yeah. Because you're always finding reasons to push it away, mm-hmm. push that money back out. No, I'm getting excited. I'm getting closer. Yes. Like having this new chair and like uh, sitting in it, it's going to be so nice. And it might not come that way too. I'm open to how it comes to me. Um, but at least I know I'm putting action toward energy towards it. Yes. Yep. So Exactly. And is there anything else you want to share before we close? I think the one thing I want to just share is Really reflect on who you are. Take it to a deeper level. And realize we are not our roles. Because our roles can be taken away from us in an instant. And when you start taking a look at what you do in each one of those roles and who you are on a much deeper level, Once you realize that, that can never be taken away from you. And you are valuable. You are worthy. And each of us is unique and provides value in a unique way. So don't ever forget that. Mm -hmm. I honestly think that's the root of the work that you and I both do is we help people recognize their value, their worthy, their divine through these different avenues to get there because when you really start to step into that and I know I as I step into it more and more Mm -hmm. my life just shifts constantly it's constantly shifting um and it's unbelievable it is it's amazing yeah what happens it's unbelievable yep it is it is and how can people find you? And of course, I'll leave all the links in the show notes, but how can people? Yes. So you can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm just starting to get into Instagram, but you can find me at Michelle Shepherd Coy, or I have a Facebook group called Female or Money Mindset for Female Entrepreneurs, where I add value um, about all of the different money mindset questions. That you can further explore. Yep. And it's Michelle's one L. I want to make sure people know that. But of course, the link will be in the show notes. So it is so awesome to have you, Michelle. And I just want to say you are actually my first coaching client. I don't know if you ever knew that. I did not. (laughs) No, yeah. You were my first like official coaching client, like paid official coaching client. I had done obviously some other like uh, gifted or free. you were my first paid official 
coaching client and it's so I'm so grateful to have been able to support you and have seen your growth and watch you I mean just explode like I love all your your Facebook lives and I'm so happy to see you like take that step even just to doing the lives and the energy you bring to the work is just amazing and as I said earlier on in our conversation I know that you're going to help thousands and millions of people especially as you expand and grow, you're going to help them do the same. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It was a pleasure and I really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Yay. Yay. I hope you enjoyed this conversation in my episode with Michelle Coy. If you want to connect with Michelle, all of her contact information is in the show notes. And before we wrap up, I want to leave you with a reflective question for you to connect with yourself on a deeper level. So the question is, and it's really twofold, what fear is getting in your way to step forward into a life you desire? So what fear is currently getting in your way to step forward into a life you desire? Once you know what that fear is, I want you to get curious as to what that fear is about. Now, there's no right or wrong way around what you're going to discover. It's yours to discover. So let go of being a judge and just get curious as what is this fear is about? Maybe take some time to reflect, journal about it. It's just a great opportunity to learn more about you. Now, this podcast is a gift. And if you're interested in supporting this work, please use the link in the show notes to make a contribution. You can also support this work by rating it and reviewing it for me and forward it on to anyone who you think might benefit from hearing the words and the conversations and the wisdom that is shared here. Lastly, if you're looking for a community where you can dive into having these deeper conversations and being surrounded by like-minded people, I highly recommend you join my Up Level Your Life community. Again, the link will be in the show notes to just click and join. It's a free community and it's just a beautiful place to feel surrounded by this work. That is all for this episode. I leave you with an African word, Ubuntu. I am because we are Ubuntu. I am because we are.